Hey, how's it going? I know it's a little dark in here. Let me light this candle. Just bear with me for a second. Come on, candle. Buy it for me. There we go. Come on. Bit of a weird candle. Bit of a kind of an old one here. Let's see if it's going to light for us or not. I don't know. Oh, maybe. There we go. Awesome. Well, you're probably wondering what I'm doing sitting in this dark space. And what this happens to be, if you can see, is a storage closet. And uh, I'll be getting into that, well, a little more soon enough. But I'll set this candle over here, maybe where it can uh, give me a little more light. Where's a good spot? That looks like good right there. Anyway, yeah, I'll get to, get to why we're hanging out in the closet more soon. So if you'll bear with me on that. Um, yeah, well, I tell you what, let's, let's open in prayer and uh, then we'll get, get into this uh, Keystone Habits for this week. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you in prayer and we're grateful for your love, your mercy, and your grace. And I just pray you'd be with each of us as we work on our relationship with you and forming these Keystone Habits. I pray for each one who's listening. I pray for you to bless them. I pray for your relationship with them. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, I hope you are forming uh, some, some good habits through this uh, time together, going through the Being Challenge, and I hope you're learning to practice those habits and continue on in those habits as well, of course, and I'm sure that you'll find that they will become easier as you go forward. And we're working on our spiritual growth, growing our relationship with God, and looking to Jesus and following his example in how we go about doing that. And we're learning five keystone habits to help us do that. And if you had to pick something that you might say is, is a key for a good relationship, what would you pick? What would you say is a key for a good relationship with someone? Um, personally, I would say one of the major keys to a great relationship with someone is communication. Just learning how to talk to someone. Um, without good communication, relationships tend to deteriorate. And that's one of the many reasons that it's important to form and practice the keystone habit of prayer. And that's what we're talking about today is prioritizing prayer. Because prayer is an important way that we communicate with God. And so far, we've talked about committing to and forming a community that's going to share our values and help us realize our goals. We've also talked about studying scripture and how that helps us discover our true identity, which also shapes our habits. And when it comes to the topic of communication, um, we are doing more and more of it in our time and age, more so than anybody ever has in the past. And I remember being a kid and going on summer holidays, like a lot of kids are on now, and not seeing any of the kids from school for that entire time, not talking to them, not seeing them, not hearing from them, um, nothing, because we just didn't have the same kind of communication that we do now. Or you look back to things, I'm probably starting to sound old, but getting directions to go somewhere, 
you got directions once and that was it. You asked someone, they told you, maybe you wrote them down and that's all you had. You didn't have a mobile phone to ring up someone and ask, hey, how do I get there? You didn't have Google Maps to help you find anything. You had to communicate and understand everything ahead of time when you traveled. That was just the way it worked. Or what, speaking of traveling, how about picking someone up at the airport? Um, if you're old enough, you remember the days before you had mobile phones. And, you know, when you were going to pick some a person up at the airport, you had to work it out all ahead of time. And, you know, you figured out the day and the time and where you would meet. And, and that was it. Once the trip was in progress, there was no more communication until you actually saw the person again. You know, today, of course, I know when I fly somewhere, I text when I land, I text when I'm at the baggage claim, I text when I'm headed out at the curb. And, you know, we know exactly where the person is that we're looking for. Or when you get separated at the mall, that's another good one. We just text and say, hey, where are you at? And those kinds of things used to have to be uh, planned out ahead of time. You know, okay, well, we'll do this until such and such a time. And then we'll meet up at this place at this time. Or, or here's, here's a big one. Uh, you go to the grocery store and once you leave the house, that was it. You couldn't uh, text home and say, hey, I forgot the list. Can you send me a picture of it? Or you can't text someone who's at the grocery store and say, hey, I forgot this. We're out of it. Can you grab it? Um, or, you know, if you've ever been in the grocery store and you're shopping for someone else in the household and they want something and there's like, five different brands of that thing and you're like which one do you want me to get you just text and ask you know back before mobile phones and things like that we just kind of had to guess and sometimes you got it right and sometimes you didn't but all that communication in that regard is great because it takes a lot of stress out of things um, but before all of our quick and easy communication of course we just didn't think about it because we didn't know any better i guess you could say sometimes it's easier when you don't know what you're missing the way we communicate and how much we communicate has changed dramatically over oh, the past few decades and you know even before that, but really, really has changed in, in recent years. And the fact that we're able to communicate on a platform like this wasn't, wasn't even possible that long ago. And it's a great tool to have that we get to use to do this. But one thing that certainly changed is how much we communicate and how much we hear about what's going on in the world and how much information we have available to us. We've gone from seeking out and even paying for communication, like buying a newspaper or setting aside time to watch the five o'clock news, to now we're learning how to filter things out because there's so much information coming at us all the time. <clears throat> and all the information and technology, sometimes all that stuff can be confusing and all of the communication and information in the world. It, it opens much, you know, more options than we've ever had in the past. We can find exactly what we want, when we want to find it and be overwhelmed with choice all in the same day. And all of this matters. And it's, it's different. You know, it's, things are different than they used to be. Um, younger generations growing up with all these things are probably going to adjust far better to it. But some of it's good, some of it's bad, and we're learning how to work through all those things as we go. And things change a lot, but at the same time, there's, there's biblical principles that always remain the same. There's keystone habits in our relationship with God that always remain the same. And 
Other things change, but those don't. The principles don't change. They're always the same. And the keystone habit that we're talking about today is prioritizing prayer. Prioritizing prayer in your life. Prayer is such a gift when you think about it, and that it allows us to talk directly to God anytime we want to, who can give us wisdom and guidance in all things. And prayer is how we talk to God. And there are many different ways that we can practice prayer and integrate it into our lives and form a keystone habit of prayer. And we're going to look to the example Jesus gave to do that. You know, he prayed alone. He prayed in public. He prayed at different times of the day. He prayed in different places. He prayed before important decisions and events. Um, the disciples even asked Jesus, you know, teach us to pray. And when they asked Jesus to do that, that's, he gave them the model prayer. And it's not an unusual thing, I suppose, for us to wonder sometimes, you know, how do I pray? What do I say? What do I do? Um, obviously, even Jesus's close followers asked, how do I pray? So, you know, there's nothing wrong with asking that question, because I'm sure a lot of us ask the same thing. What do I say? How do I do it? You know, how, I, how do I put all this into a words? How do I keep myself from being distracted when I pray, which is happens a lot. But prayer is something that we can learn. We can learn more about it and we can get better at it, um, just like anything really. And it's a habit we can form that is a keystone habit, a habit that overflows into other areas of life because great followers of Jesus have a great relationship with Jesus and prayer builds that. And as we've talked about this, you know, if, if, if you want to, you can pop your prayer requests, maybe in uh, share them with people in the chat if you'd like to. But we're going to talk about some elements of prayer we learn from Jesus that help us in forming our keystone habit of prayer. And the first one is that Jesus prayed both early and often. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, In the morning, rising up a great while before sunrise, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Went to a solitary place very early in the morning, and there he prayed. One of the things you see Jesus do several times in the Gospels is withdraw to a quiet place to pray. And you can go back and read in the Gospels and see that Jesus's time was very much in demand. He was constantly surrounded by throngs of people, and he had people constantly pushing for his attention, who, you know, just mobbed with people all the time. And you know, most of us also, we may be not to the degree that Jesus did, but most of us all have a lot of, also have a lot of demands on our time. Uh, we have a lot of things, a lot of people who are competing for our attention. You know, if you're a mom, your kids are probably wanting your attention. They probably want your attention right now as I'm speaking. If you're a dad, your family wants your attention. Your, you know, your job wants your attention. There's all kinds of things that want our attention and things that we want to give our attention to, things we don't want to give our attention to. And of course, I have it a little easier these days because my, my kids are grown and adults and doing their own thing. But when you are busy doing other things and there's a lot going on around you, it's very difficult to focus on prayer. In a marriage, 
you really need to set aside time to spend with your partner and focus on each other and make time to communicate. Um, you need that in relationship in your relationship. If you don't, you know, proactively make that time, it's going to hurt your relationship. It's going to suffer because of that. And the same is true in our prayer life. Uh, we have to make time for it, preferably at a place and time that is just for prayer. But the reality is, is that we're often very busy. Uh, we're not very good at setting boundaries, at least I'm not. And there's a lot going on around us. There's, you know, if you live in a house full of people, there's always something going on. But Jesus was in the same kind of situation. He was always had people around him. And he shows us how to find that time of peace and quiet where we can concentrate on prayer and give prayer our full attention. And there are two parts to what Jesus did in Mark chapter one, verse 35. And one is that he got up very early. And the Bible says, well before sunrise. And, you know, in the Queensland summertime, that is pretty early if you're going to get up before summertime. And I think Jesus might give us a pass on that one. But the principle is, is that Jesus went someplace quiet to pray before everything else got started. Because once the day gets rolling, the chances of finding time and a quiet space tend to decrease very quickly as the day wears on. And another thing Jesus did was he went to a solitary place, someplace quiet where he could be by himself with God. And we'll be talking more about solitude next week, but he went somewhere where he could be alone. And if you read the verses surrounding Mark chapter one, verse 35 there, you'll see that Simon and everyone that was with him was out looking for him. They're like, hey, Jesus, we've got all this stuff going on. Where are you at? What's happening? But Jesus created space where he could pray and do so in peace. Even though there were demands, even though everybody wanted his attention, he set aside a time and a place where he could go and pray. And the way that he did that was he got up very early in the morning. And he went somewhere where he could be alone. That's what Jesus did. And it's the principle of creating the space and the place so that you can have quiet prayer time where you talk to God and you can do it without being distracted by other things. And that's not an easy thing to do. It's, uh, I don't know, some people do well with that kind of stuff. Others of us struggle with it a little bit more, but different personalities you know, if we're going to form this keystone habit of prayer, we're going to have to figure out how to do that and make that happen. Some people are really good at it and are able to make it happen. And I'm going to share something with you that I found that helps me when I'm trying to create space in my life and room to breathe and pray and even just have a rest. Um, as a pastor, I, I enjoy being able to pretty much set my own schedule. You know, for some, some people that works well, for others, it doesn't work as well. Some of us, you know, it's helpful to, to have a schedule, you know, kind of made up for us work-wise. We're all different and have different strengths. But for me, taking time to rest because I was able to make my own schedule, uh, rest has always been a low priority in my life. And, it, and it's kind of caught up with me a few times. And I would take a day off or say I was going to take off, but think, you know, think of something I wanted to get done or say, well, I'll just do this one thing and then I'll be done. Or someone would call or I would look at my emails and see that something needed my attention or whatever. And then one thing led to another. And before you know it, that day that was meant to be a day off was, was gone and it just didn't happen. 
And the same thing can happen with your prayer time. If you don't, you know, set aside that time, it's just going to be gone. And you, you know, you're not even going to realize that it's happening. But what I found helpful in setting boundaries for myself and for those around me, and you might find this useful as well, was that I started to put my, my rest time into my schedule like I did everything else. And then I gave it the same priority as everything else. And you can do that with prayer as well. So before someone, you know, would say, can I come and see you? Can I meet with you this time? And, you know, and, or, or something would come up and I would think, well, it's supposed to be my day off, but I can do that one thing. That's okay. But I started to view my scheduled off time like this. If I had an appointment with the doctor, I wouldn't cancel it to do those other things. I just wouldn't. And most people wouldn't do that. And that's very reasonable. Or if I had any other appointment on my schedule, I probably wouldn't cancel it to look at my email or answer a phone call. So I started giving my rest time the same priority. And it was difficult at first, and it still is sometimes. It's, it's, it's not a perfect um, thing, but sometimes I'm asked to do something and I think, oh, I should do that. And I might even feel a little guilty about it. But with some practice, I was able to start saying, you know, unfortunately that day's booked out. Sorry, I can't do something that day, which it is. And the more I do that, the easier it becomes, the more I learn, you know, I'm not really as important as I think, and the world's going to get by just fine without me for a day. And there's always exceptions, you know, things happen, and that's just part of life. That's how things go. But prayer time is the same way. You know, if, if you give priority to a doctor's appointment, why wouldn't you give at least that same priority to time with God? You know, put it in your schedule. Give it the same priority as you would anything else, uh, an appointment with your doctor, whatever is important in your schedule, give it at least that much priority. And when you do that, you've created the space. And we also need to create a place or find a place. And you might say, well, I don't really have a spot. And there's always so much going on around me. You might live in a very busy household. And that may be true. And that may be true. Matthew chapter six, verse six says, says, but when you pray, enter your closet. And when you shut your door, pray to your father who's in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, if you're like me, you might end up in a storage closet. And of course, you don't have to take it quite that literally. But the fact is, is nobody's going to bother me in here. It's nice and quiet. Nobody's going to look for me in here. They don't even know that I'm here. And it's not something to be too literal about, of course, but it's the principle there that we're, we're looking at. And I Googled, just for fun, I Googled prayer closet ideas just out of curiosity. And it was amazing what came up. Um, there's a lot of really cool ideas for creating uh, a place for prayer. Uh, you can check out Pinterest. There's all kinds of uh, ideas for a place and journals and that can help you form the keystone habit of prayer. But at the same time, it may just be your kitchen table and a notepad, and that's okay. But whatever kind of personality you are, there's, there's a way for you to find space, and you're going to have to figure that out and make the time and the place, make the space and the place to form the keystone habit of prayer and make it a priority in your life. Schedule it and give it the same priority, at least, as the most important thing on your schedule. And it, here's something to consider as well. When we start talking about priorities, um, 
there's a book called Essentialism by a, Greg, a guy named Greg McCowan. And in that book, he explains the history of the word priority and how its meaning has shifted over time because the meaning of words do shift over time. Language is a very much a living thing and it changes over time and the meanings and the way we use words, a lot of them aren't the same as they used to be. If you've ever looked at, uh, you take like the, the King James translation of the Bible, which is very well known. If you look at an actual 1611 version of that, um, it's, it's not even readable today because the language and the letters and everything's different. And it shows you how, you know, language is a living thing and it changes over time. And the way we use words has changed from what they were historically. But in his book, um, this guy, he says, when the word priority made its way into the English language in the 1400s, it was singular. And it meant the very first or prior thing, the thing that's prior to everything else, that's where priority comes from. It had stayed singular until the 1900s when we started to talk about the plural of priorities. And illogically, in a way, people reasoned that by changing the word, we could kind of bend the reality of what a priority really is. And somehow, you know, we, we think we can have multiple first things. You know, we say priorities. Uh, people in companies do that all the time. They talk about priorities, priority one, priority two, priority three, so on. And that gives us the impression of many things being the priority. But actually what that means, when many things are the priority, it means nothing is. And we can only have one priority. That's a reality. And we can have many important things in our lives but only one of them can truly be our priority in a given moment. That's just reality. We need a time in our lives where prayer is our priority. It's the thing that's prior to everything else. It takes precedence over everything else. Like putting it in our schedule and giving it precedence over everything else. This time on my schedule, that's what I do. Another way we see Jesus making prayer a priority is as a reaction. And I found this one especially interesting. When you think about it, prayer as a reaction. And followers of Jesus, I think, should generally be proactive and not reactionary in things. Even in difficult times, we should be more proactive than reactive. But there are always going to be times and situations where we're required to be reactive or we can't be proactive in something. But your keystone habits will help you determine what your reactions are. And in the life of Jesus, we see in the very most extreme situations and circumstances, one that are difficult, so difficult that it'd be hard for us to even imagine being in that situation. His reaction is prayer. And there are two examples in particular that come to my mind. And they're right, you know, at the, at the very end of his ministry. And the first one is Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 39. And this is what it says. It said, then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray close by. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Wait here and keep watch with me. He went a little further and falling on his face he prayed oh my father 
if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And it's difficult to imagine what Jesus feels like in that situation because he knows what's about to happen. The disciples didn't know the, what we know now at the time. You know, we know that Jesus is about to be arrested and he's about to be beaten and ultimately crucified. And he asks his close friends to stay awake with him, but they fall asleep. And this is a very difficult time for Jesus. If you could even try to imagine being in that kind of situation, it's difficult to do so. But it would be very overwhelming. And if there was ever a time when it would seem reasonable to be reactionary and kind of freak out and run away, I think this would be it. But the Bible says he's excessively or exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. So in that situation, how does Jesus react? He prays. He's very forthcoming in his prayer. He's very honest in his prayer. I think sometimes when we speak to God, we almost speak to him like we do other people. And we tend not to tell him things like we don't tell people things sometimes because we're afraid of what they might think. But the reality is, is God already knows, and we can be just as honest as we can be with him. Whatever, whatever it is, whatever problem we have, we can, we can bring it up with him. We can talk about it with him. But Jesus prays, and he's very forthcoming, very honest. He says, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And as you read the same passage in the Gospel of Luke, you see that Jesus prays the same prayer three times. And no one wouldn't want to go through what Jesus is about to go through. But ultimately, through prayer, he surrenders himself to God's will. That's how he reacts to a very scary situation. And he surrenders himself to God's will through prayer. And that's the ultimate and best way to react to a difficult situation. And the other place, place that prayer is a reaction for Jesus comes to mind uh, is, is when he's on the cross. And this is what he says in Luke chapter 23, verse 34. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they divided his clothes by casting lots. And every one of us has been hurt or offended by other people and maybe even physically. And if that's you, you'd have a better understanding than most of the magnitude of what Jesus says here. When he asked God to forgive the people who are crucifying him. And for most human beings, you know, when we are hurt or when we are afraid, we tend to react in a way that is retaliatory. We just do. We get, you know, protective and we lash out. And sometimes those reactions can be very extreme. But often what those reactions boil down to is just a desperate attempt to control a situation that's out of our control. And sometimes we do things or turn to different things that may not be good for us and attempt to either ease our pain or control a desperate situation. And when you look at Christian martyrs throughout history, they had a similar reaction to Jesus in extremely difficult situations. That's a Christian reaction to hard times is prayer. Stephen in Acts chapter 7, um, referring to the book of Acts that we went through um, for several months leading up to the new year, uh, it, he reacted the same way when he was stoned. 
uh, as Jesus did when Jesus was being crucified. And when we react with prayer, it's not an attempt to control our situation, but we're saying, God, you're greater than this situation and you are greater than me. And when we react with prayer, we're turning to God rather than trying to control something that we can't control anyway, that's really out of our hands. When you're in an overwhelming situation that you really can't control, is your reaction prayer or is it something else? Um, but prayer is a keystone habit that overflows into other areas of life. And for prayer to become a keystone habit in your life is going to mean making prayer a priority. It's going to mean prioritizing prayer in your life and making space and making a place for it. Maybe you need to find a, a storage closet where nobody's going to bother you. But it's also going to mean making prayer our reaction to difficult situations and admitting that things are out of our hands. Sometimes that's just the reality of the way things are and placing our situation in God's hands. You know, and sometimes we just, it's, it's difficult to do that, but it's like one of those habits that we form. Make the space, make the place, make it a priority, make it a reaction. And with that, you know, I'm so grateful that you have made time to listen in this week. And I'm looking forward to seeing you again next week. And I'll be someplace different then. But in the meantime, make prayer a priority. And please pray for me as I pray for you. And as we close out right now, I'm going to pray for you now. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you again in prayer. We're grateful for your love, for your mercy, for your grace. And I pray that we would seek to make the time, the place, the space to speak to you. However, that needs to happen in each of our lives. I pray that we'd seek it and that we do it. Find the spot, make a journal, whatever we need to do to make that happen, Father. I just pray that we do that. And I also pray, Lord, that as we go through our day-to-day -day lives, that when we come to those difficult situations that we can't control, that we would make prayer our reaction to those. And Lord, we are so thankful for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I really appreciate it. And I'll look forward to seeing you next week.